From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We are back with Marie Raboyne of Brick Cider on how she has learned to manage staff in the orchard and rest of her businesses. Learn how to identify and manage human risks on a specialty crop farm like hers, and importantly, how to retain employees by keeping it all fun in the process. Marie Raboyne runs Brick Cider, a hard cider company, farm-to-table restaurant, and small orchard with her husband, Matt, as well as raising two young kids, Teddy and Vera. Marie has worked in conservation agriculture for 16 years with the Natural Resources Conservation Service, land conservation and UW Extension, as well as the Director of Agroecology at a local NGO in Malawi, Africa. With degrees in soil science and agroecology, Marie has focused her work on supporting farmers that practice conservation agriculture, specifically managed grazing and cover cropping systems. We are here again with the inspiring Marie Raboyne of Brick Cider Pub in Mount Horeb, talking all kinds of different aspects and topics related to running a diversified business and life and lifestyle. And you realized early on you can't do it all alone, right? You right. need lots of, people. lots of people, including staff, yes. to do things. Yes. So uh, describe to me, even just right now, like when you, you talk about your crew, you have full-time employees and some part-time. Yep. And, and how does how is that working? Yeah, so we've got... Right now, I actually have one full-time employee, and he is full-time in the cidery, um, and I have about 10 or 11 part-time employees. The majority of the cider work is done by either Matt um, Matt and Dan, so my full-time employee and my husband, Matt, I do a lot of the cidery work, and Dan really does the brunt of it. Um, he's great. And then the kitchen and the tap room require that 10 to, 10 to 12 part-time employees, kind of depending on time of year. I have farmers that um, that I buy product from, but in the summer they cut their hours, so I have to backfill and make sure I've got um, adequate staffing. It runs from um, the other almost full-time employee I have is our He's we're we're working towards him being our tap room manager, and he's got a lot of experience with apples. He owns an orchard. He wants to start a cider pub, but he's waiting for his high school student to get out of high school so they can move back to the family farm. And so he's in this great position where he's basically got four years that he wants to learn everything he can about this business so oh, that he can perfect. start his own. Yeah. So he's great to have on staff. We just it's really hard, and I think business owners will understand this. It is so hard to pass responsibility off to people. There's things I don't like doing, like payroll, but it takes me a minute to get somebody else up to speed and comfortable, and I have to realize that like, the time I invest teaching someone to do something in the long run will pay off, but it's that initial time, like how do I find two hours to teach somebody how to do something when I know I can just do it in a half hour? But I do need to, I think both Matt and I need to 
figure out how to release some responsibility. Yeah, growing for yeah, you. For the, yeah, for the employees who want that responsibility. Yep. Then I've got tons of employees who just want to show up to work and do their job and go home, right? And that's great because that's how I kind of work in my government job. I really like to just show up. I do my work and I go home and that job is like I leave that job at the office for the most part. Yeah, and you need that. Yeah. You too. Sanity. Yeah, I'd and say. so we've got we've got employees in the kitchen, we've got employees in the tap room, and then during the fall we'll have employees on the orchard and picking apples. So talk to me more about the, the farm and the orchard side. You have, these are for harvesting. So harvesting, yep. Specifically in the fall. Yep. And you often go to other sites too. So you're harvesting your own orchards, but more so you're other bringing people's. your crew out to other yep. people's orchards. Yep, and so... You know, we worked with our insurance agent to make sure that that was all legit, and that's a pretty common practice for fruit farms. Is, oh, sure. Um, is seasonal that, farm labor, yep, right? seasonal farm labor. So they're exactly. not full-time employees. They're not full-time. Um, but we, there's all kinds of forms to fill out, right? Yeah, to- yeah. And, like, for our farm, we have just kind of an umbrella insurance policy that covers our place, but then um, our workman's comp covers my employees on our farm as well as on other farms. So if something were to happen on somebody else's place... Um, that's that would be covered under my workman's comp. Policy. But that's important, and these oh, are yeah. all things that people don't inherently realize. Yeah, and I think it's important to, you know, I do get a lot of people who want to volunteer and pick apples for a day, and um, and I can do that, but I have to pay them some. I mean, there has to be some. I have to. Yeah, you can't just really have volunteers working for you because if they get hurt, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So I, I really, I don't do... Which can happen. I mean, you just can't ignore... Yeah, right. Oh, absolutely. And I actually, I'm more I'm more conscious about volunteers because they don't know what it's like to be up on an apple ladder. Where my employees who have done it for a couple of years, or me and Matt, oh. we can whip around those apple ladders and climb up and down, and I'm not afraid I'm going to fall off. But someone who's not used to that... I try to keep those people on the ground. Sure, sure. Here's your bag. You wear your bag. You pick low-hanging fruit, literally, and I'll go up on the ladder. Because you need to manage that yeah, human risk side Even just things. new employees, I'm pretty conscious about not sticking them up on a ladder right away. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then there's different insurance and labor laws, right, depending on what you're mm-hmm. doing. Somebody who is on the harvest crew is not the same person i mean it might be the same person but it's a yeah. different policy for somebody yeah. chopping the apples right i mean we have cidery. a whole our insurance policy is long and convoluted what actually ends up happening is that a lot of your policy payments are based on you kind of predict what your salaries are going to be and you pay workman's comp based on what you think you're going to pay people what, workman's comp is what again workman's comp is basically like insurance for the injured that okay yeah and everybody like pays if, that yep everybody everybody pays that in case um there's different categories like there's a farm labor workman's comp and then there's a kitchen because we own a kitchen that's a different workman's comp than the farm labor workman's comp and so and that's a big one that people often that's where i depend on my insurance yeah agent. i really trust dale that he's got me covered because i don't have time to read through those policies he you know and then at the end of the year it's a lot of just reporting back to that workman's comp agency how many actual salary dollars did you pay your farm labor versus how many did you pay your labor in the kitchen in the tap room okay gotcha. and then your rates each workman's comp policy has a different rate based on risk involved in that work oh okay so if you've got two different ventures going on you may have two different workman's comp rates sure that's interesting yeah it's that? not standard but you need a deal yeah. 
But for folks who are maybe at the just sole research phase of this, uh, a shout out to Farm Commons and Rachel Armstrong's work there because she has been doing a lot of education and different fact sheets and toolkits and things yeah. to help you understand the basics before you even put a toe in. Yeah. Here you clearly have a defined business, but it gets more complicated or gray quicker for farms who are starting on-farm businesses or the whole on-farm food service or pizza yeah, nights. And you can't There's enough just... people doing it. Just oh, ask someone. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. But you can't assume that because somebody is harvesting that tomato, they can help cut it. Right. And right. it, it well, it's logic not even that doesn't they can't. It's that you're making sure that you're paying the prop. What you yeah. don't want to do is have you don't want to screw. You don't want to intermingle different working codes. Basically, there's these workman comp codes, and if someone is being paid on one code, you just you have to just keep your codes separate. You know, I need to know how many hours someone spends harvesting. I can't have a I, here it is. I can't. You can't have a timesheet. That doesn't differentiate between the different labor codes. Like when I have oh. my, my Google Doc that people use for time accounting. Okay. If you picked apples, you put those numbers under apple picking. If you were in the kitchen, you put those numbers under kitchen. And that way at the end of the year when I go to report, I know how many hours were in each workman's comp category. Okay. So it's all just tracking. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. And and each each category has a different rate. So you just got to keep track you, you can't just keep track of hours you got to keep track very specifically wow. that, okay mm-hmm. that, but that's things but, uh, you, yeah you learn as you go right and on that the harvest crew are there things you do you can, you can have all the insurance in the world but you still want to help your workers do their job safely yes so you mentioned for example you don't put new workers on ladders I try. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, there's things you do. What are some other things like that that you do to either help yep. help them do their job safely, or not take on more than perhaps people are ready for? Yeah. So um, we have good equipment. Mm. So we try to get people new equipment that works. Um, and these are like the harvesters. Harvest. Yeah. The and, and a lot of the harvest is ladders. done by me and Matt. To be honest, like we're out there a lot. Um, and then we have a couple other, Dan, who's in the cidery a lot of the times. So he'll come out. He's a real workhorse. Um, this year, what's nice is we have some high school students that are looking for more hours. And so hopefully they can, and they're already hired. We already have them on payroll. Um, they're dishwashers here. Uh-huh. And I can get them out and get them more hours harvesting apples. And they're athletic and young and, you know, and it's just making sure that they're using you know, I call someone out if they're doing something stupid, but I haven't really had that problem. Like, yeah. And then if I have employees that don't want to be on a ladder, which I've had that, we say, okay, you don't go on the ladder. You know, I'm not going to make someone do something they don't feel comfortable with. And so then that person just picks the lower apples and maybe it's me and Matt that are up on ladders. And to be honest, being on a ladder all day is not fun anyway. So I try to rotate people <laughs> in and out of that. So changing up jobs yep. and changing up tasks. Yep. And just making sure that, the you know, we have bins that are clean and that, you know, everything is in working order, basically. Good sure. equipment makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you select equipment? Do you test things yourself or yeah. you have to ask around, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, there's only so many models of apple picking bags out there. So we've tried a few different ones. And I definitely, because I'm so short, um, I wear an apple picking bag very different than Matt does. And so I've had to kind of rig mine up differently oh, and sure. tie some knots to keep it a little bit higher so it's not tough on my upper back. <laughs> but that's um, important. Yeah, and so that when I go up a ladder, it's not hitting my knees. 
Um, and just understanding that I can't carry as much weight as like Berger, who's 6'3 and 220. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's just working within your capabilities and mm-hmm. working smart and working smart versus hard, hard. Well, that's really important. Yeah. You, you raise a really good point because when things are busy, it can be so easy to just keep going. Yeah. And, not and, think. and we abandon orchard, abandon orchards, but you know, will if, if it's just, if it's too muddy, if something else is going on at an orchard, we cut it oh, and leave. That's We're really not going to struggle point. to get apples. Like, we don't have time for that. Because there so must if, be apples, especially some of the older, overgrown ones, that just to get in there yeah, right. is, is, it's a, it's, is and a last, risk. And last fall actually was, was really hard because normally we drive our truck and our trailer right down the gut of an orchard. And last fall was so wet, we were uncomfortable driving on anyone's fields. And so we hand-hauled apples out. Oh, in that case, you didn't have a choice, right? You right. still needed your Right, because we don't have the capability of dragging our four-wheeler along. You know, we can't. Or our UTV, which we don't have, but would be awesome, um, out to these places. One orchard that where we hire, where we harvest wild apples, I've been friends with the farmer forever, and she just lets us use her UTV. And so then we can haul apples out that way. But otherwise, it would be impossible. Like, it's just too wet yeah. in the fall. And you sometimes don't know those things. Yeah, right. It happen the night before you're planning to go, yep. right? Yeah, it rains, and we're like, okay, well, we're just going to stay on the driveway and have to haul apples 200 yards out, you know. And we're in a lot of the, one of the bigger orchards we work with, she, she'll move some equipment around for us with her skid steer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So she helps us out. Mm-hmm. But ha- and having a diversity of orchards to draw from. Yep. So probably if, helps too. Exactly. And that goes back to what you're talking networking. about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And knowing just having more options yeah. available. And we have people come in and say, hey, I've got an orchard. Do you want to? And then we take their name and we'll give them a call this fall if we've got time and come pick their apples. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you probably have some orchards that just are super easy yes. to eat from a both harvesting perspective and logistics and management. Right. Location. Um, low-hanging fruit, literally, right? Literally <laughs> low-hanging fruit, especially on some of the more, you know, the more high-intensity orchards that are smaller trees. Mm-hmm. So we don't need ladders. Oh, so literally low-hanging fruit. Literally low-hanging <laughs> fruit. Those are our favorite. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Why get on a ladder when you don't have to? Got it. Got it. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.